0: We should have coordinated better on that. Um, Well, as many of you know, Pastor Sean Brown is the founding pastor of Coastal Church, which is our sending church, and he has pastored there for over 21 years. And what many of you may not know is the deep impact that he's had on my life and the life of my family. I've served under his leadership for 16 plus years, which means that he hired me when I was 12 years old. But uh, this may sound strange and, and even perhaps insulting for Pastor Sean, but Pastor Sean was the first pastor I met that I was absolutely convinced was a sinner. <laughs> That's just the the negative way, though, of saying that I found him to be honest and vulnerable with me, something that I never saw in church growing up. In fact, this was what increased my desire to work for him in church ministry. Pastor Sean showed me what it meant to be involved in the lives of those he pastored. He showed me what it was like to be an available pastor, a pastor amongst the people. He showed me what pastoral counseling looked like. He showed me what humility looked like. He also modeled managing his home well to me. I'm also thankful for his wife, Jen. She faithfully discipled my wife before I even knew her and has been such a model in what a pastor's wife looks like. Brady and I agree that she couldn't have had a better friend and mentor than Jen Brown. So Pastor Sean, thank you and thank Jen for the investment in in my family. Thank you for showing me the the ropes of pastoral ministry. Thank you for years of opportunities. Thank you for marrying Braden and I. Thank you for praying for my kids and giving good advice. Thank you for sending us out on this church plant. And thank you for coming and opening the word with us. I love you, my brother. Yeah.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. What an honor and privilege. I don't know who that guy you were just talking about is. So uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 20, and uh, I'm going to give you guys a charge this morning. So please know, um, I will certainly hint at and touch on the gospel message uh, throughout this. But the gospel message is assumed this morning. Uh, I really want to charge the church as a whole and, uh, and so I, I, I'm sitting here, Pastor Joey, looking at all these books. So I love Pastor Joey. When he, we first decided that the Lord was separating our ministries, we were at Starbucks in Kroger and we both blubbered and cried like two big babies. Um, so there's a lot of emotion. For me, and some of that has already been kind of shared and shed, but uh, you don't know this about your pastor, he is a jokester, and i 'm looking at these books up here and i 'm thinking of the time I was doing probably the second uh, Christmas Eve service we had ever done, and I was illustrating that Jesus uh, was God in flesh that he was incarnate and and so I'd brought a stack of books out on stage, and they were big, and I was throwing them. Saying, you know, God did not send us a commentary. And I took this huge commentary and I threw it and I said, God did not send us a systematic theology. And I threw that and then I, and I went through these stack of books and said, God sent us his one and only son in flesh. And, and so that was the first service. The second service. Your pastor slipped into my book list, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and, uh, and so I said, God did not send us this, and I got there and I just burst out laughing, and it took me a while to recover. Uh, he can be miserable at times, uh, but um, if this is your home church, and I hope it is if you're investigating uh, this church, this is where you belong. This is a great church because God has gifted you with some amazing leadership. I've served with Pastor Joe, I didn't know how long I've been, 16 years. He's a godly man. Uh, he, who he is uh, on stage is who he is behind the scenes, and that's important. Um, I know your elders, they would be elders at Coastal. Uh, I just already had enough. Uh, these are godly men that love your pastor, they love you. Uh, they love the Word of God. They, they love um, the gospel of Jesus. And so if this is your place, or if you've been investigating, let me encourage you, this is your place. This is a great place to park your family uh, and to grow in the Lord. And I've told Pastor Joe many times, if I was looking for a pastor, I would su- submit my family uh, to his leadership Uh, knowing they would be well cared for. So it is a privilege, and it's a privilege, and I speak on behalf of Coastal Church, what a privilege it is for us to plant and to send. And I told Pastor Joey that hopefully Coastal's been generous and you guys are not being generous. You're hoarding all the best pianists on the peninsula. Okay. I was Josh incredible. Joey's incredible. Joey's mother-in-law is incredible. You got all Ashley. You got all the pianists on the peninsula. So, uh, just amazing. So it was great to worship with you. So let's dive in. Okay. Uh, I heard you guys are doing first Timothy. Uh, and so I just think today's message kind of lends itself to that. This is in Acts where the Apostle Paul is visiting uh, with the elders that are the overseers uh, of the church that Timothy ultimately pa- pastors. And so uh just thought this was a good lead in. Uh, the Apostle Paul planted this church, uh, the church of Ephesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows he's probably going to be jailed and killed there. And so he spends, this is kind of his sending sermon to the elders of Ephesus. And so this sets you up for your first Timothy series. And so I'm going to look at verse 26 this morning, but I want to set it up by reading you kind of what Paul is doing as he's getting ready to charge the elders of the church of Ephesus. So Acts chapter 20, verse 16, if you have your Bible, and hopefully it's on the screen behind me, it says, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Verse 17. Now, for Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So he's going to go past Ephesus, but he says, Hey, elders, why don't you come see me? And he gives them this charge. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks of the repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm coming to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. How would you like that journey, guys, right? The Holy Spirit lets Paul know every city you're going to go to, you're going to suffer and you're going to be in prison. That's That's where Paul's going. Verse 24, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus... To testify to the gospel of the grace of God, and now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. So that sets up this little sermon that Paul is giving to the elders of Ephesus. He knows this is his goodbye sermon, and hopefully that's not it for me. Uh, But hopefully I will see you guys again. Uh, But uh, that's where Paul is going, and so I thought, man, this would be a great charge for Deer Park Fellowship uh, as you guys are heading into First Timothy. So. Point number one. Here we go. My challenge to you as a church is to build Deer Park Fellowship on God's Word. Now, that's one thing. In uh, the elders of Coastal and myself, we know that that is the case, and it's very, very comforting uh, to know that. And so, in Acts verse twenty, verse twenty-six, Paul says this to these elders of Ephesus. He says, "Therefore, I testify." to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. And that's a really fascinating statement. Verse 27, for I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God's word. Two things out of this two verses I want to encourage you with. Number 1 or letter A, preach the gospel. It is the job of the of Deer Park fellowship as a church of the leadership to preach the gospel. Paul says, I am innocent of any man's blood. What is he talking about there? He's talking spiritually. He's talking that he, at every opportunity, let people know about Christ, let people know about our separation from God because of our sin and our reconciliation with God because of what God in his grace and mercy did for us through the person and the work of Jesus. And he said, I have declared this at every opportunity. I love uh, Ezekiel 33. A lot of y'all probably know the passage of Ezekiel 33, but Ezekiel, the prophet, God says, I want your ministry to be that of like a watchman on a wall. Now, in Old Testament times, if your city had a wall, uh, you had the best defense that you could have in, in wartime. And on these walls around these cities, you would you would position what, what, we, what they would call watchmen. And the watchman's job was not to save the people. It was not to get the people inside the safety of the walls of the city. The watchman's job was to keep watch. And when the enemy came, to declare, hey, the enemy is coming. You need to come inside the walls for safety. And look at this in Ezekiel 33. I love this. Ezekiel the prophet, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel said. And he said, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon the land, And the people of the land take a man from among them and make them their watchmen. If he sees the sword coming, in other words, if he sees the enemy coming upon the land, he blows the trumpet and he warns the people. Then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. Verse 5. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and he didn't take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. Man, I love that. That's a challenge to us as believers. I believe there's a spiritual application here that God has positioned Deer Park Fellowship in this incredible location in the center of our community to trumpet the gospel. It's not our job to save people. The Holy Spirit saves people. God saves people. But it is our job to trumpet the message of the gospel. And this needs to be a place that is true to the word of God and trumpets the message of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Listen, I also think there's a there's a personal application. I think there's a personal application. As believers, God has given you a circle of influence. It's family members, it's coworkers, it's neighbors, it's roommates. That you know what, I, I think one day when Pastor Joey stands before the God of the universe, I don't know that he is gonna be responsible for your circle of influence. He'll be responsible for his own circle of influence, but he's not going to be responsible for your circle of influence. There are people in your life that God has positioned you as a watchman to say, hey, judgment is coming. There is going to come a day where you are going to give an account of your soul before Almighty God. And God has made a way of escape on that judgment day and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's your job, it's my job, it's our job individually as believers also to be on mission and say, man, I am positioned to be a watchman in my community. And Paul says, I've preached the gospel, no one's blood is on my hands. And I think he's, I think he's leaning in possibly to Ezekiel 33 and saying, I've been a watchman, I've preached the gospel. Secondly to this church, He encourages the church to preach the whole counsel of the word of God. I love what he says in verse 27. Paul says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of the word of God. You know, we uh, as Americans have been very, very blessed Um, to live in a culture that we preach the Word of God, uh, and and really for generations, and there hasn't been much consequence. I suspect that may be changing. I find it interesting that Paul understands when I go to a new city and I preach the Word of God, I didn't shrink back. Uh, There's there's a cost to preaching the Word of God. That may be coming to us, right and and i hope not right but even if it is the lord will give us his grace and his sustaining strength but we cannot shrink back from preaching the whole counsel of the Word of God. And one of the things I love about your pastor and love about this church is exegetical preaching, that you guys will regularly go through books of the Bible. And we've done that at Coastal for many years. It's not every week, but I would say over half of the year, we make sure we're in the books of the Bible and going through them verse by verse. And that encourages us to not skip the hard stuff, right? And it encourages us to all of us as a church wrestle through uh, some challenging passages. And I think this makes us healthier and it makes us better as a church, even when we go through the tough stuff. And so, preach the word of God, church, right? And, and I know that that will be the foundation of Deer Park Fellowship. Now, I want to transition. My next two points is really going to be to the to ministry leaders. So, I know some of you will tune out, but I, I want to talk to the ministry leaders, the deacons. I got to see your list of small group leaders, your elders, your pastors, all right? Because Paul transitions to the leadership. And so, here, point number two challenge to Deer Park Fellowship. You as leaders need to be right with God. There's nothing more important in in your lives and in your leadership of this church than to be right with God. Verse 28, Paul, as he's looking to these elders, he says, pay careful attention. Now, this is very fascinating because these are elders and they're responsible for the church, but he starts with, pay careful attention to yourselves. What's going on in your own soul? careful attention to yourself and, of course, to the church, to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church, which he obtained with his own blood. I mean, just Paul Paul reminding us of the incredibly high cost of the church to him, that it costs the blood of Christ to reconcile and redeem and pay for our sins. And so here's what I want to challenge the leadership with, letter A, to self-examine, be self-aware of what's going on in your journey with Christ. As leaders, we need to be paying close attention to our own spiritual lives. We need to be paying close attention to our families. We, need to, we can get so busy in church life doing church stuff that we find over time maybe we're not feasting on Christ like we should. Church leaders, elders, pastors, small group leaders, deacons of Deer Park Fellowship, we need to ask, are we humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God? Are we in prayer? Are we in the word? Are we in a small group? Are we doing community together with others? Are we engaged when we come to corporate worship? These are all the questions that as leaders we need to be looking at because Paul challenges us, letter be to personal holiness, to personal holiness, there's few things that harm a church like a disqualifying sin in church leadership. That keeps me up at night. Those are the things that I pray for for Coastal and I pray for for you. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're struggling and you're a Christian and you're struggling with a temptation and a sin that nobody knows about, let me tell you, tell on it before it tells on you. Tell on your sin. Find a safe place. Find another leader. Find another person that you trust and tell on your sin for your own good and for the good of the church. We, we somehow have lulled ourselves into thinking that our sin only affects us and that is not true and and as god raises a platform of leadership it's even more important that you walk in personal holiness and righteousness and here's the thing i know about your leadership here if you tell on your sin there will be much grace and forgiveness See, one of the challenges when we see a church leader fall into some kind of a habitual disqualifying sin, if the sin comes out, it's really difficult at that point to tell if the person's repentant because they got, and sorry because they got caught or if they're repentant because the Holy Spirit is working. If your sin tells on you, it just takes more time to figure that out. But if you tell on your sin, there's always much grace because that means you're attuned to the Holy Spirit and the conviction of sin. And like Clark reminded us in our time of confession, right? The path, the path, wages of sin is death, and we don't want you on the path of death, right? We want you on the path of life. So leaders, you know, be attuned, growing in personal holiness. If there's a temptation in your life, get some accountability. Nobody's perfect. Let's just make sure we're taking our sin seriously. So That's my challenge to church leadership. The third challenge, number three here, the second challenge really Paul gives to to church leadership is leaders are to guard the church. This is a really high calling. Paul says this in verse 28, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. So now we're going to transition to the church in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Verse 31, therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears, okay? So Paul uses, to describe the church, he uses the word flock, and therefore a flock is, brings us the idea of sheep, and a flock then reminds us that it's to be led by shepherds, okay? So letter A, we're to be led by shepherds. I, um, have you, if you guys have heard me preach a no, number of times, which many of you have, I've used this story before, but I just love this, Um, to remind me of what a shepherd does, because I don't, I don't, anybody here a shepherd? I'd be shocked. I don't know. I don't think I've ever met anyone. You're a shepherd. You have sheep. What? We need to talk afterwards. I want to hear what you did. I've heard that sheep are dumb and smelly and all. Okay, yes. Okay, good. So, It's amazing that's how the Lord refers to us as a church. (laughs) Anyway, uh, then we'll come back to that. That's another sermon for another day, I think. But, um, you know, I love, if you know the story of the king of Israel, who was the first king in Israel? Anybody know? It was King Saul, right? Anybody remember why King Saul got chosen to be king? Anybody remember? He he looked like Doug Hazel. (laughs) No. Man, we got work to do here. Joey, I don't know. We have to, just kidding. No, remember, he was tall. They chose him because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. They didn't care about his character. He didn't care about his heart following the Lord. He was tall. And so they chose him because he was tall, and he didn't follow after the things of the Lord. And so God rejected Saul, and he said, I want you to go to Jesse's house. One of the sons of Jesse is going to be the next king. And the oldest brother, his name was Eliab, comes out. And guess what Eliab is? He's tall. I mean, they, and even Samuel goes, that's got to be him. I don't know what it is in Israel, but they wanted their leaders to be tall, right? And, and so that would be like us hiring Shaq to be president, okay? So, I mean, you just got to be big. And so, and God says, no. And so 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7, Samuel, God says to Samuel, he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees, or looks upon outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a heart. And it's fascinating, if I was to take you through 1 Samuel 16, uh, Samuel goes through all of Jesse's sons, and and God says, nope, 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 nope. And then finally, uh, Jesse says, it's like, dad, the dad is almost embarrassed. He says, I have a kid, but he's watching sheep. Like this is the lowliest worst job that you can have surely this is not the one that the Lord has chosen and of course it is the one that Lord, the Lord has chosen because David was a man that followed after God's own heart. One chapter later, 1 Samuel 17, right? You guys know all know the story of David and Goliath, right? And so David is bringing food to his three older brothers who went to war with Saul against the Philistines. And so each day They march out Goliath. Goliath's a giant, okay? Maybe that's why they wanted a tall king. I don't know. Goliath is a giant, and he curses the nation of Israel. He curses the God of Israel. And every day, he challenges them to a one-on-one battle. And whoever wins the one-on-one battle, the other nation would be subservient to the winner of that battle, which probably meant higher taxes, right? And we're gonna pay more taxes. And so Goliath comes out every day. And who should battle him is King Saul. Why should King Saul battle him? because he's tall, right? And so David hears this God-cursing Philistine, who uh, Joey named his first dog after the God-cursing Philistine, Goliath. And so I always made fun of him for that. And so the God-cursing Philistine comes out. David can't stand it. He goes, I will take on Goliath, right? And so King Saul puts him in his armor. And David's like, I I can't fight like this. This is too much. And so David then proceeds, and I love this. And for those of you who are elders and pastors of this church, we now get a great definition of what a shepherd does. Okay? So I want you to see this text with that in mind. And so David gives his resume to King Saul of why he should be able to go fight Goliath. Listen to this. But David said to Saul, 1 Samuel 17, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. So lowly job, nobody would want this job, right? And, and, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, okay, so David's watching the sheep, out comes a lion. You guys ever been around a lion? Very intimidating, right? Ever been around a bear? Very intimidating, So if Sean Brown was keeping these sheep, and I've got a hundred of them, and you take one of them, I'd be like, yeah, have at it. You know, it's your meal, you win, right? Not David. Listen to this, verse 35. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, okay, we're talking nine feet tall, lion, bear, right? If he rose against me, I caught him by his beard, and I struck him, and I killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, "Uh, go and the Lord be with you, right? And so like, this is an amazing text, right? Listen, that's a picture for elders and pastors of what your job is. It is going to take courage. We think that shepherding is weak and lowly. Shepherding is caring for God's church, and I'm telling you, it's the toughest job that you can do. And so if this is your home church, you need to pray regularly for your pastors and for your elders. It's a big deal. Shepherding and caring for God's church is the toughest job you'll do. Shepherds Elders, pastors, these people that God has put under your care, they have been purchased by the blood of Christ. They are his church. And his church has been purchased by his sacrifice. And it's our job, it's your job to give care to them. And Paul says, let it be that we're to protect our church from false teachers or false teachers. Teaching, right? And so, I, I, teachers is what the text said. I put teaching because we now live in a world that the teaching can come on the internet all over the place, right? So, we need to protect our church. This is why the church must be built on the word of God. This is your job as a shepherd and as an elder and as a pastor. And so, knowing these things, verse 31, Paul says that we need to be alert, we need to be watchful. Listen. Leaders, small group leaders, deacons, pastors, elders, ministry leaders. Church work is never done. never. It, it's 24 /7. When you're part of leading a church, you're signing up for the I want you to hear this you're signing up for the most difficult task in the world. Sean, that's an overstatement. No. No, because we are wrestling against spiritual forces that wants to keep people in the bondage of their sin. We have three enemies to our faith, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they are all working against this kingdom. Now, the kingdom of God will be successful and we get to be a part of it, but church work is never done. There are no days off. Some of you will give time when you were on vacation. You will have to zoom into a meeting or maybe even drive back to help be alert and take care of your church. And Paul says, I want you to be alert and pay attention As I was preparing this, I was walking with my wife the other day, and I just said, you know, it's this passage, this idea of being alert, that when you've been doing it for 20 years, it gets fatiguing. Like, you you are constantly, with your hand on the wheel, going, man, I'm paying attention to my church. I'm paying attention to my church. I'm paying attention to my church, and it is 24-7. Church, you make sure you take care of your pastor. He will never tell you The Fridays and the Saturdays that he's supposed to have off that he doesn't. He will not tell you the times he's here late at night. He will. I've worked with him a long time, so I know he will keep that to himself. And he will serve tirelessly. Pray for your pastor because you got to be alert, right, Pastor Joey? It's a lot of hours, and it's finally letter D here. Paul says to admonish. He said, "I admonish." To admonish is to warn, to take seriously our souls, and to take seriously our souls for all of eternity. Paul says that he admonished with tears. So on top of being alert, I'm going to tell you something else about church work. It's emotional. It's deeply emotional, right? In fact, you guys know this just from living in our culture, right? If you go out in our culture and you're at some work party, there's two things you're not supposed to ever bring up, right? You're never supposed to bring up politics and you're never supposed to bring up what? Religion, because it's emotional. Now you can't bring up the vaccine, so we'll add that too. Don't bring up any of those three things; that, those are all forbidden. But you know, can't talk about that. But no, because we don't. You don't talk about religion because it's it's emotional. There will be sleepless nights when you serve your church. There will be tears, and there will be risk. The risk of loving people, which will be my final point this morning. So finally this morning, and this is now, I'm going to circle back to the whole church. Here we go, and I'll finish with this this morning. Final thing, we come and we are a part of a church to give and not get. We come to be a part of a church to give and not get, right? I I, I do it this way. This, This is what a lot of people come into their church like this. Shh you know, they walk in, and they haven't thought about anything but what I need. And listen, the church is here to provide and encourage, and there's weeks I come in, and, you know, there's a song or a sermon that's for me that I needed to hear, and, and it is for me. But we have to constantly remind our hearts and our minds that the, the point of being a part of a local church is to give and not get. Paul says this in verse 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. "'which is able to build you up "'and give you an inheritance "'among all those who are sanctified.'" Verse 33, Paul said, "'I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. "'You yourselves know that these hands "'ministered to my necessities "'and to those who were with me.'" in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, Paul now, when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul, and they kissed him, and being sorrowful, most of all because the word had been spoken that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. We have to come to give and not get. The first thing is, if we're going to come to serve our church and see it as something that we give to, letter A, we have to be eternally minded. Paul says that in verse 32, we, we need to be thinking about our inheritance, that last song we sang was just great this morning, right? That my possessions don't define me. My earthly wealth doesn't define me. That our mindset is thinking about eternity. And, and I, if you've never read this book, I would encourage you to read John Piper's Desiring God, where he talks us, basically says we're not heavenly-minded enough. We should be pursuing our eternal reward and thinking heavenly-minded Christ, heaven, eternity, it's going to be amazing. And the only way you'll be able to serve in your church for decades with the mindset of, I've come to give and not get, is if you're eternally minded. And we're continually thinking, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. And when we live our lives in such a way that we are, uh, you know, most of us, if you're like me, it's hard to do that we're not, and I would say probably we're not heavenly minded enough as Christians. And thinking about that. And so Paul says to be eternally minded. Let her be that we're giving and not getting. Paul says that he worked hard. And we, we live in a culture that doesn't know much about hard work anymore. Listen, as Christians, we should be the hardest workers in the culture. At Your job workplace, you should be seen as someone that gives a really good, hard day's work. Paul says, I worked hard, and he encourages us to work hard. We should be working hard to provide for our families, and we should have some leftover to share. That's what Paul says, that we work hard, and there was even some leftover to be generous with our church family, and to even, if there's needs in the church, that we provide for our church. He says that we come to to give and not get. Man, I want to talk to you men for a minute. Listen, you men that are in charge of your homes— you're, you're the shepherd of your home. If you're here single today, and one day you may be the shepherd of your home, I'm going to challenge you. When you, when you have a family and you have children, you, you need to work hard, come home, engage, be dad, work hard at home, and then go to bed tired, and then rinse and repeat. That is worship to the Lord. That you get in, you work, you get up, you work hard, you provide for your family, you come home, you engage with the kids until they go to bed, and you do it again the next day. And that is what giving and shepherding, and we'll, you'll do the same thing in your church. us C, Paul, verse 36 and 38, man, he loved deeply. Paul loved deeply. I'm going to tell you something. When you love your church, you risk. You risk your heart. You risk your heart. And I think Pastor Joey would probably acknowledge this. You know, when we talked about planting Deer Park and even, and even doing um, the adoption process, there's, there's people in this room that I was, I was sad to send, right? So here's these people sending ball and they're crying like, I know that. And I could go around the room and say, you know, some of you, I miss seeing you on a weekend, week out basis. I'm thrilled with what God's doing here. But when you love deeply, you risk this is why, by the way, in church ministry, forgiveness is so important. Because people, when you risk to love, they will hurt you, and you have to give forgiveness, or you will grow hard-hearted towards the brothers and the sisters in Christ. And so let me encourage you, be quick to forgive. Be quick to make something right. If someone's hurt you, like, just go make it right and get on with it, because we got more important things to do than our feelings, amen? We have the gospel to echo to the world. Forgive, move on, love deeply, and risk t- to love, and come prepared to give back. And loving one another is is one of the ways that we give back. I want to finish with this. I, uh, I've been I've been married for 27 years. This September 3rd was our 27th wedding anniversary. It was awesome. Uh, I was laying in bed with 103 fever and COVID, and my wife was bringing me meals. So that's how we celebrated 27 years of marriage, but uh, one of the being married a long time is a, is a blessing and a challenge, right? And, 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 and what I mean by that is familiarity, right? When you're married a long time, you get really, really familiar with someone. And, and being familiar with someone is a blessing and a curse. It's like, you know, if you're really familiar with your spouse, you don't really need to talk much because you already know everything, right? And that's, that's, that's an incredible blessing to know a lot about a person, but it can also be a curse. And so I've, I've used this illustration before. Uh, I read this out of, a, out of a, a Dennis and Barbara Rainey book, but they talked about uh, how in marriage, how the five stages of a cold, which works great for, because it was my 27th wedding anniversary and I had COVID, right? And so in the first year of marriage, uh, when your spouse gets sick, you're so concerned, right? And you're like, baby, I'm just I'm just so worried about the sniffle that you have. And and so here's what I've done. I've called the paramedics. They're coming. They are going to rush you to Norfolk General. And, and you're going to be in Norfolk General for the week. And I want you to rest. And, and I know that you don't like hospital food. So while you're there, I'm arranging for gourmet meals to be brought to you. That's year one when you have a cold, all right? The second year of marriage when you have a cold... Your spouse will say to you, sweetie, you know what? I don't like the sound of that cough. And so I've arranged for our family doctor to, to come by the house. So let me tuck you in the bed and, and our doctor will be here soon to check you out. That's the second year of marriage with a cold. The third year of marriage with a cold goes a little more like this. Man, you, you look like a, you have a fever. Um, why don't you drive yourself over to MedExpress and get some medicine while I get the kids, take care of the kids, right? That's the third year of marriage. The fourth year of marriage goes like this, you know, you don't look so great, so why don't you be sensible? Why don't you feed and bathe the kids quickly, and then after you wash the dishes, why don't you get yourself in bed early? That's the fourth year of marriage, right? And by the fifth year of marriage, your spouse gets sick. It kind of goes like this, for Pete's sake, do you have to cough so loud I can't even hear the TV? Would you mind going into the other room while my show is on? You sound like a barking dog, right? And so that's the fifth year of marriage. And, and we all know that it be true, right? And so here's the point I want to make. Um, if, you, if you've been around a church for any length of time, it's really, really easy to allow the familiarity of the church to blind you to its beauty, It's really easy to forget the amazing... And by the way, when I talk church, I'm not talking about this building. And this is a beautiful building. My son got married here, okay? And so this building means a lot to me. But this is not the church. I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about the people. In fact, here's what I want you to do, ready? This is going to be really weird for a moment, but I'm a guest, and you don't have to have me back, okay? So here you go. I want you to just look around the room. Look around the room. Look at some of the people you're sitting next to. Do it. Look at their eyes. Like, look around the room. It's weird, isn't it? you two doing making google eyes on the front row (laughs) year one yeah year one listen the people in this room have been bought by the blood of christ and you have partnered together as followers of jesus in this thing called the church the word church means to be called out you guys are called out to serve the Lord Jesus together. And so here's what I want to finish with. Choose to be wowed by what Christ is doing in each of you. Choose to be wowed. Joey and Braden. it has been a joy to serve the Lord alongside of you, and I'm wowed by you. And Joey, I think, started, Pastor Joey started when he was 19, and I've watched you get married and grow into a godly husband and a great pastor, um, way smarter than me, um, humble, and now a dad and a mom. And uh, I'm wow! I'm just wowed to see what the Lord has done through you. I'm, I'm risking here, okay? Laura Davidson, one of the few people that were here before me. Man, I'm wowed by you. You've been so faithful to this church, you know, 20 plus years since I've been here and longer. So, you go back 30 years, you've been faithful to this church, right? And you serve the Lord here and watching your worship this morning with your grandkids, pretty awesome, man. I'm, I'm wowed, right? Mr. Bobby, you're the first person I got to know from Deer Park and Pastor Randy, and really all you deacons that were the founding deacons of this church, I'm wowed by you, uh, we've done the church adoption thing like three or four times now, and these men were humble and wanted to see this, this building and this church be used for the gospel. And what you all did over the last three, four, five years has been remarkable, and I, I'm really, I'm genuinely wowed by you and your humble hearts. And to look around now and see the room full and to know this church is healthy, I mean, just wow. Ms. Joyce, I know you've prayed for me and my family for at least a decade now, you know. And so to know that you're going to be praying for Pastor Joey and the elders here, it really wows me. Like, I'm really excited about you being here and being a part. And, and Ashley, where's your husband, Ashley? Josh, I got to marry you guys, man. Uh, probably one of my favorite weddings ever because you guys walked out to Star Wars. And I haven't forgotten that. And and to see you guys be intimately involved here, like it wows me. I'm wowed by you guys. I know some of your personal journey now. I'm wowed by how you follow the Lord. And Scott Shear, I remember the first time you came into my office. And to watch you grow to become an elder, I mean... Incredible, you guys are being shepherded by some incredible people and and doug hazel let 's go on to someone else um, <laughs> uh, Doug I mean the, you served in for years in the parking lot of our church. you I mean you were equipped to do so much more, but you did this really servant ministry and your wife peggy the the decorating teams and I've served with you guys for 10 or 15 years at least. You know, do you guys go back to the school? Do you guys go back that far? Back to the school, you know, and to know that you served. And I'm so glad your emails about preaching too long are now going to Pastor Joey, it's not to me. He only said that because he, he couldn't get everybody in the parking lot. he goes like, the parking lot's a mess. So uh, to serve the Lord, I, I, uh, and I could go on and on, and I know this is dangerous to go around this room, but I want you to know, as the senior pastor of Coastal, as we plant Deer Park Fellowship, I'm just wowed by you. If you're new here, this is your home. This is a great church. This is a great place to park your family and grow in the Lord. I want to encourage you, first of all, be wowed by Jesus and the gospel. And then number two, be wowed by his church. Never let familiarity breed contempt. Contempt. Look around the room and see the gifts that God has given his church and continue to be wowed. Amen, church? And so Coastal sends you out to continue to preach the gospel. We are thrilled. If all the elders of Coastal could speak, they would tell you how thrilled they are to plant Deer Parks Fellowship. And we're really, really excited to see what God's going to do in and through the gospel um, through the ministry of this local church. Can I pray for you? I think we have a baptism too, right? Man, that's awesome. All right, so we have a baptism this morning, which is great. Let me pray for this church plant. Heavenly Father, the church doesn't belong to anyone but you and to your son Jesus. Jesus is the head. He purchased this church with his very own blood. And God, your word says as we lift up the gospel, as we lift up Christ, you will draw all men to yourself, God. So it's our job to lift up the gospel of Jesus. I mean, what an amazing thing that, God, you loved us so very much. You could have, could have left us in our wretchedness and our brokenness and our sin, but, God, you loved us so very much. You gave us your very, very best, your one and only Son. You took on flesh. He lived the life we couldn't, God. Therefore, he didn't deserve to die, but he chose death. And on that cross, God, he took the penalty of my sin and everyone's sin in this room that calls you Lord. And they laid him in a tomb, and the grave couldn't hold him, God, and, um, and he rose again to eternal life, God, to give us eternal life. And so Christ is risen, he's ruling, he's reigning, God, and this is his church. And so, God, I pray now that for generations, Deer Park Fellowship would continue to exalt the gospel, and we praise you for the gospel. We praise you for this church leadership that will exalt the gospel.